I had the chance to sit down with Lauren Ho to talk about her very first romance novel, Last Hang Standing. Um, hope you enjoy. Lauren, so Last Hang Standing, this is your first book. Um, what inspired you to write it? Um, so I had been, um, I've always wanted to be a novelist and I have been writing short stories for some time now and just trying to find story that would resonate with me um, enough for me to like sit myself down and finish the, the entire novel. And so in 2017, uh, while I was moonlighting, if you wish, as an open micer in, uh, in stand-up comedy, I... <laughs> I got the idea for uh, for Andrea. Like Andrea just walked into my head, and I thought to myself, "This is a really interesting character." And um, you know, she's facing a lot of the issues that people my age would be facing as a woman in Southeast Asia. And um, I, like, it just started snowballing from there. And I think after scribbling some notes in, in t- over two nights, I had an idea for the novel, and I just ran with it. I love that. Um, and I love, I know that you have been, you were a lawyer in a previous life and then a stand-up comedian and now a novelist. Um, I always love people who have non-traditional career paths just because I think it takes a lot of guts to be doing one thing and then say like, nope, actually, I think this will make me happy and no, this will. Um, what sort of emboldened you to make those changes? Just just before, I mean, when I was writing the novel, I was actually working with Doctors Without Borders in uh, Singapore. Um, so I was actually back working in the humanitarian sector. Um, and I suppose that was that's what gave me enough hit, like, hit space to just be able to write more because it was during this time as well that um, I, was, I, was, um, I was writing more in general. Uh, when it came to short stories. So I think just being, not being in a very like nine to five job gave me the head space I needed to sort of write. Like mm-hmm. in the evenings as well, I felt better while I was working with Doctors Without Borders um, um, to, to, to sort of have that head space to write. Because when I was working as a, as a lawyer, I didn't necessarily feel mentally um, able to sort of like write a novel in the evenings. Whereas when I was working as a humanitarian worker, I had more mental space to write a book, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, that has a lot of parallels to the book. Um, So in the book, your main character, Andrea, is somebody who is in her early 30s and she's starting to feel the pressure sort of from every aspect of her life to settle down you know, ha- check all the boxes. So have the husband, have children, have the high-powered career. Um, and it's sort of, I loved the book because it's sort of her realizing what she really wants. And it's interesting to hear you talk about sort of your transitions that it seems like you maybe followed a similar path to Andrea or Andrea followed a similar path to you. So I think that's really interesting. Um, I think we write what we know. And uh, there are definitely similarities or parallels between what Andrea's doing in the book and or will be doing in the book uh, with my own life. Because I think, yeah, we write what we know. So 
I think Nat Andrea's character is definitely uh, inspired by my own experiences uh, working in the corporate world and then deciding to transition out of it. Oh, I hope I'm not spoiling my own book. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they, that I saw that maybe on the flap or something, but it's, um, yeah. Uh, so this is a romance novel podcast. So would you, do you consider this book a, like a romance novel? I think my book is a rom-com that that's mm -hmm. the accurate um, representation of it. But in my mind, I always thought of it more as like a humorous novel above all. So yes, there are romantic subplots, but it's not, for me, it's not um, the main purpose of, of the novel because I think it kind of tracks Andrea's inner growth as a woman. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are romantic subplots. It is a rom-com, but j just for me as an author, I always, I always viewed this novel as being more like, in a way, a coming of age novel, even though I know, I know she's like much older than the typical coming of age protagonist, but there are some elements to it because she's trying to discover what she wants in life. And she's been telling herself that she's supposed to follow a path, but then throughout the course of the novel, she's going to realize that that's not necessarily the path that she should be following. I think that happens to a lot of people. And I'm not that much older than Andrea. And I feel like I have a bunch of friends who followed her path as well, as far as being like very corporate or doing what they think they're supposed to do. And then there is always a moment where you wake up and you're like, who am I doing it for? Uh, and that's what really made me love um, Andrea because to, I think it is, it, it takes a bold person to then sort of make those decisions to, to change or, or to even start mm -hmm. asking those questions because those are big, scary questions. Yes, um, they are. So we spoke a little bit about, uh, before we started recording, about uh, sort of your uniqueness as an author. I think mostly of the books that we read are from American authors or British authors. Um, and you offer such a wonderful and unique uh, perspective. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how sort of that informed the book and everything. I was asked a similar question the other night um, as to how I would classify my novel. Would I classify it as a Malaysian novel or mm -hmm. a Singaporean novel? And um, I thought, to, I thought may, maybe the way I would classify it is is a Malaysian novel set in Singapore. Um, and I'll explain a little bit more why I say that. Because the, the protagonist is Chinese Malaysian and she is actually working in Singapore and um, her experiences as a sort of like a, a, a migrant in Singapore is actually the experience of many people in Singapore. And it's not a classically Singaporean novel in that sense because most of the characters are not really Singaporean, but it's just people coming to a country, working there, and, and then maybe through that process, finding something, finding out something about themselves. So um, for as my background, my background has been uh, one of, uh, of, of relocation, of moving. So I've lived in three different, countries, uh, three, in three different continents um, and several countries. And I think just being someone who's lived in so many different countries has shaped the way the novel has, 
shaped in the way the novel is. And I think anyone who's like moved to another place to find new economic or uh, new professional opportunities would appreciate the book, would find parallels in the life of Andrea and her friends, even if they're not familiar with the uh, local culture. So, yeah. I think it's easy, it would be easy to sort of find something from the book to identify with, even if you've never been to Asia, even if you've never been to Southeast Asia. Um, I think there are, there are themes in the book that would appeal to um, uh, a reader who's never been or is not familiar with the culture, the local culture there. Yeah, I definitely agree. I have never been to Asia uh, and don't know very much about um, Southeast Asian culture at all, other than sort of what I've seen in Crazy Rich Asians. But uh, I, it's why I really love this book too, because I felt like it was a, it was so, it's such a different experience to read a book from an author who is of that culture and sort of the insight that you get is so um, unique. And I, that's something that I really loved about this novel too, is, is I felt like, having never been to Singapore, now I feel like I have a better idea of what Singapore is or who people in Singapore are, sort of what the culture is like uh, in a way that I don't know how I would in any other way. And I think that's why books are so amazing <laughs> because they do give you that really, uh, that on, like on the ground insight into so many different cultures and people and, and different ways of living. So I think that's an interesting observation. I mean, Asia is not a monolith and neither is um, my book. My book is not trying to portray, is not trying to be the be all and end all of Singaporean uh, culture. And Singaporean, Singaporean culture is very diverse. It's, it really depends um, what your background is, what your ethnic group is. So I'm, I'm really glad to be able to bring my perspective as a Malaysian Chinese who is who was based in Singapore um, and to showcase a facet of Singaporean life, mm -hmm. if not culture. So that, that, I mean, a lot of people have said like, oh, this book reminds me of Crazy Rich Asians, but I think Crazy Rich Asians portrays a very different uh, social milieu compared to, to that of my characters. Uh, of course, my characters are privileged but they're also professionals who are working and uh, they're not uber rich. Some of, well, some of them may have a lot of family money, but they're not uh, uber rich. Um, and they are definitely uh, trying to strive. They're striving and they're trying to find their own uh, slice of the Singaporean dream, if you wish. And they're trying to build identities, identities apart from um, family wealth as well. So I think there are a lot of um, differences from, Crazy Rich Asians, and I'm really glad to be able to bring um, that facet of Singapore life um, to an international audience. And I think that's the positive thing about, well, I'd love to hear maybe your uh, uh, thoughts on this as opposed to sort of just telling you mine, um, but I think that is the, the importance of diversity in romance, um, you know, geographically or ethnically or in any other way, because Singapore is a big country, uh, or um, and so there's no way that one book would ever encapsulate everything about such a large group of people. And so having your book and that book and hopefully other books as well set in Singapore 
um, will just sort of add to it. I think representation in ro romance and in mm -hmm. contemporary literature is so important. Um, I, I, I never would have dreamed that I would be able to be published by a, an international big five publisher if, you know, I never heard of success stories coming from people from my background, like Tash Ao. I mean, of course, he's written amazing books in literary fiction, and it's a totally different genre from what I'm doing. But if I had never grown up seeing someone like Tash Ao or Tan Tuan Ng or mm -hmm. Yang Zichu uh, succeed, I might never have thought to myself, um, well, I can do the same, and I'd like to do the same. Also to have an awareness of like the world outside like our own borders, our own national borders. And we do that through fiction, to the consumption of fiction. And I'm just really pleased that I'm able to bring, um, to represent Singapore slash Malaysia in, in the genre that I'm in, which is romance. Mm -hmm. So I'm really pleased about that. So you're a romance reader then? Um, I think I consume uh, romance, well, rom-coms. I, I watch a lot of movies I, yeah. and series that are romantic, I suppose. Um, I do read romance in the sense that I read rom-coms. Does that make sense? I'm starting to read romance. I, I don't, I, I know romance is such a huge genre, right? I, I think I'm mm -hmm. more like the rom-com reader on the rom-com reader side of the spectrum more than the... Um, more hot and heavy romance <laughs> reader, yeah. if that makes any sense. Steamy is what we say. We say it's very yes. steamy. Steamy, yes. <laughs> See, I don't even know the um, how to classify it. But yes, I do read a lot of rom-coms. Uh, rom what are you reading right now? What are you enjoying? Um, in terms of romance or in, in general? I guess in general. It doesn't have to be romance. So it's strange, right? Because we're currently in the pandemic. I mean, yeah. we're in the midst of a global public health crisis. And I find myself reading a lot of thrillers, like psychological thrillers and, mm -hmm. and reading a lot of uh, um, heavy stuff. So I've recently started rereading a favorite of mine, which is uh, A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. I hope I'm saying her name right. Yeah. And I've been reading a lot of thrillers. So like Lisa Jewell, um, Paula Hawkins, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been reading a lot of thrillers. I don't know what it says about me, but, but I feel like the thrillers are light now. In light of whatever's going on, I feel like I needed to escape by reading something else that's, I don't know, set in another world, maybe? Yeah. That makes perfect sense, I feel like. It's, and it's like a pure escapism sort of a way. Um, what rom-coms have you been reading that you've been liking? Um, I recently read one of my uh, fellow 2020 debuts um, book. Her name is Madisina, Madisinha, and she basically wrote this uh, amazing Grey's Anatomy style uh, rom-com called The White Coat Diaries. Mm -hmm. And so I just read that. Um, yeah, so that's the most recent rom-com I've read. Um, what have you been reading? Oh, I've been reading... Uh a lot. I, for some reason, I think it's a similar thing to you where I want to read as far different from like what's happening now. So I've mm -hmm. been reading a lot of like historical romances just because I'm like, I want to get like just a completely different world. 
uh, which those are set in a world that never existed. Um, and then we, for the podcast, we just read of an alien romance, which I didn't think I was going to wow. enjoy as much as I did. <laughs> Sometimes we, we have our Sounds listeners. Sounds exciting. Yeah, we have our listeners uh, email us suggestions. And so this was one that a few people emailed quick in a row and we were like, oh, we have to do it. Um, and it's Strange Love by Anna Guire. And it was really, really well done. And it was really good. And I was like, I guess we are all just aliens trying to find love at the end of the day. It's an important lesson to learn. Yeah, yeah we're all the same. Yeah. It's an, it's an interesting time to be reading romance now because there's just so much so many new uh, interesting titles coming out. Um, I know that when I'm done with my promotional, the promotional work in the next two months, I'll have some time to read and mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to the, the host of exciting novels that are coming out in the next few months. Yeah. You were a lawyer. And something that I find really funny is just the amount of lawyers and you're a rom-com author, maybe not strict romance, but there are a few uh, former lawyers that are currently romance novelists. So there's Alicia Rye and Courtney Milan. Um, what do you think it is about the law that attracts women that ultimately just want to write romance? It's really interesting because two of, two of the Malaysian authors I mentioned, Tash Al mm -hmm. and Tan Tuan Ng, all have legal backgrounds. So they were all <laughs> lawyers as well. Um, I don't know, maybe because, you know, sometimes the work can be quite tedious. So you start like fantasizing about other things. And from there, you maybe, maybe you start writing. I don't know. Or maybe we were all like meant to be writers and we were thwarted by tiger parents. I don't know. <laughs> parents are actually really chill. They're not tiger parents. Mm -hmm. um, I had to be, I had to go to law. If I had like good grades, I had to do that because um, that's what, that was what was, like acceptable like you can't be a writer and, and and expect to 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 make it at least for people from my background um it's very hard to imagine being a published author and there's so few success stories mm -hmm. um at least on the international level that you kind of feel like oh no i shouldn't even try so i'm i'm i'm, I'm glad that uh i did try because now i'm published so i'm, I'm excited about it i'm excited to use to be a, an inspiration, if you wish, for other people who are trying to make it from my side of the world. So, yeah, definitely, and I'm sure you will be. It's uh, it's really exciting. I'd love to know more about sort of your writing process in general. You said that Andrea basically just walked into your mind fully formed, um, but I'd love to know sort of like you know, do you outline? Do you just sit in front of a blank page? Sort of how does it all come to you? So, so I have matured as a writer over the past three years. I was pretty much a pantser, you know, like mm -hmm. someone who just like throws stuff at a, at a page and hope it sticks. <laughs> and, and it always sounds it so showed. terrifying to me. Yeah. I think it showed in the beginning because like my first um, manuscript, the first comp completed manuscript was, was not great. I don't know. And I was like really gung-ho. I was like, I'm going to shop this out. I'm going to get an agent. I did not get an agent. <laughs> um, but I did get an important lesson um, and a lot of invaluable feedback as to what I could do to improve my craft. And so um, I think uh, I've progressed somewhat. And so now I'm kind of in the middle of both being a plotter and a pantser. 
Um, so I'm known scientifically in the community as a plan plotzer. Plotzer? Yeah. So I'm a plotzer. I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I do believe in the power of outlining for the good of your novel. So it's really important to at least outline your your novel and then like, you know, you can you can you can play with what you have. But yeah. So that's how I have evolved as a writer. So for Last Hang Standing, you had like a like a rough draft of an outline and then you were sort of filling things in or how did you go through the process? Oh, Last Hang Standing <laughs> is a wash because you know, it was like it was it's been like transformed so many times. Um I don't even know how I mean, I'm I'm talking about my second and my third novel in terms mm -hmm. of being a plotzer. Like I'm going to do this with some somewhat more um in, in tidier fashion, if you wish, um, because last time standing evolved from like me just throwing stuff at a wall and like saying, "Okay, it must come together now." So come together, and <laughs> and then I had to incorporate feedback from my agent, uh, my agent Allison Hunter in the first round, and and um, I had to make the changes, and and at the same time I was also evolving in my writer craft, writing craft by reading and so it was a bit more organic uh but yeah if for my future novels i'm definitely outlining so last thing standing was a little bit more like a jumble of things that was just stitched together and it worked out well if that makes <laughs> sense i'm not selling my novel well <laughs> well you i I didn't see that when I was reading it. I wasn't like, Great. this all was against a wall at one stage. Um, and, and how do you find time to write? Because you are a mom to a two-year-old. Yeah. To a two-year-old, yeah. yeah. So I, time, I imagine, is at a premium. Um, so I'm, I'm a full-time author now. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a lot of time to write, I guess. Um, but when I was writing Last Time Standing, I basically uh, wrote in the evenings. And so my advice to anyone who's listening who might have, you know, a novel that they want, want, to, um, want to put down in words, um, yeah, start doing it. If you don't write, you, you don't have anything to edit. So finish the novel and then start, start editing. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, were there ever any particular books or authors that you read and you're like, oh, I want to do this, um, whether it was sort of like as you're growing up or recently? So, um, so I guess, um, Bridget Jones' Diary is, <laughs> is, is one of the books that really inspired me uh, throughout the course of writing Last Dang Standing. I really loved Bridget Jones' Diary. I've reread it, like, four or five times and it's definitely an inspiration for me uh in writing this book but of course it's a completely different book um but that was the book that i i i revisited while writing last tang standing and it's really it's like such an important book for me um i've also really enjoyed uh, reading crazy rich asians um i i yeah so these are the two main pieces of work that I've read and consulted while writing Last Hang Standing. I feel like Bridget Jones's Diary was such a giant 
cultural moment for so many people because I feel like I've heard of other authors who have cited it as a book that they read and sort of inspired them to either start writing or to plant that seed. And I Mm -hmm. find that so interesting that, you know, it it was obviously when it came out, it was such a massive book. I remember reading it when it first came out and absolutely loving it. Um, But I'm, I find it interesting how many women I'm in my mid thirties who Mm -hmm. like around my age seem to have really like that was a point in their lives and how many friends I have now, you know, because of the global health crisis, because of everything happening right now in this country have been going back specifically to that book to read as a comfort read, um, which I find really interesting. And it, and I am, what do you think it is about that book that made it such a moment for so many? Oh, interesting question. Um, I think it's because like Richard Jones diary is a story about a woman who wants to do better and she's not really sure how she's going to do it, but she's, like it's a story of her bettering herself in a way I I look at it that way Um, Mm -hmm. it's not really so much about her and her romances it's just her thinking to herself I I want to do better but I'm not really sure how and that's really endearing so that's that's what that's what's endearing about Bridget Jones as a character she's a very likable person and I think that's why people find comfort in reading that book because okay she's a little bit of a mess in a way, but she's just so, so likable and so believable that you, you want to be her friend. And of course, like her friends are amazing. They're so supportive. They're, they're just so, so well fleshed out that it's a, it's a book that is just a very comforting read for, for, for those reasons. And I think that's why so many people are rereading it in a way. Yeah, and why it was such an inspiration. It makes sense. Yeah. Have you ever kept a diary? Did it inspire you to keep a diary? I did, but I never really stuck to it. Because <laughs> like, I found writing my thoughts down very um, tedious in a way because I'm always thinking about things and I don't want to write it down. I don't know. It doesn't really help me clarify my thoughts. Um, so no, I've never really kept a diary. It's, but yeah, it's... I'm very inspired by what I see online that people are doing like bullet journaling and they're making beautiful works of art. That's another form of, of, of journaling. Right. And yeah. I, I, I'm always a little like envious and want to do the same, but I just, I just can't find the headspace to do something like that. So. Yeah. That's the thing about bullet journaling. It seems like if you're not like a hand letter or not create, like it just seems very daunting. Because they all yeah, do exactly. look absolutely gorgeous. But I'm like, I don't know that mine would look so good. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's an art form in, in itself. So mm-hmm. pretty to look at, but I wouldn't do it. <laughs> um, and so in the book, you know, Andrea starts her improvement journey by joining the dating apps. Have you mm-hmm. ever, were you ever on the apps? Do you have a sort of an opinion on them? <laughs> So, um, so I've been with my husband for a really, really long time, um, since my early twenties. So I, I, like, um, I miss this whole dating apps, uh, craze in a way. Well, it's not a craze, it's still ongoing. It's the new normal, (laughs) uh, if you wish. Um, but I have been vicariously tindering (laughs) through my friends 
um, not as research, but as a form of help. Uh, sometimes help that I'm imposing on my friends because their Tinder profiles can be so bad. And I, 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 I try to help them craft better profiles that will get more hits. And I have to say, I'm pretty successful. So yeah. <laughs> if, it does, if this doesn't work out, I, you know, I'm just going to freelance as a Tinder profile writer. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I do a lot of vicarious tindering. It's, 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 it's fun when I don't have skin in the game. Exactly, right. This is the same thing for me. I, I kind of miss the app thing as well and so it's like uh -huh. I always find it really exciting and interesting and my friends are like oh no it's awful you don't want to be out here I don't know uh, I think it depends on what you're looking for so yeah it can be awful and uh, anyway but yeah that's a story for another day <laughs> well in the book one of Andrea's best friends Linda takes all basically steals all of her information and puts her on tinder and tinders as her for a week have you ever was that inspired by truth at all <laughs> Um, no, but I did, I mean, I, I have been writing profiles for my friends, mm -hmm. so, so I've never actually stolen, uh, I've never ever tried to gain access into someone's personal profiles, so no, I haven't done that, that's actually criminal, criminal activity, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, but no, no, I haven't done that, but I've definitely written uh, Tinder profiles. Yeah. I think it's good to do too, because I met my husband through like one of the old, like the desktop dating profiles, <laughs> like mm -hmm. from so long ago. And I remember one of my friends was like, I'm writing this. This isn't even anything like you. You don't know who you are. And then she <laughs> wrote it. And then it's like, I ended up meeting my husband. So you and she can go into business There you together. go. <laughs> there you go. Whatever it takes. Whatever yeah, it takes. Right. No. Like, but. But I really, I, I love that scene, the, the scene that I wrote, uh, that, that, that was in Last Tang Standing, that was inspired by my um, time right helping my friends. And I'm doing air quotes because I realize people can't see me. Um, <laughs> helping my friends. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's all about how you present the facts, right? You're supposed right. to massage it. You're supposed to massage it. And, and you, you, you can't, you shouldn't lie. You shouldn't lie, but you should present the best uh, possible uh, retelling of yourself, if you wish. Like, you know, like I enjoy watching uh, baking shows, right? But maybe you could say I, I enjoy I enjoy baking, which is not not untrue. You do enjoy watching people bake, and I guess you enjoy baking by extension. Or is that a lie? I don't know. <laughs> Right, but you're you know not what saying you're participating or doing, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love baking, and it's yeah. not untrue. There you go. That's great tips. I think if any of our listeners end up finding your husband through massaging the truth on Tinder, let us know. <laughs> or partners. I, I take no responsibility. You Tinder <laughs> at your own risk, okay? Um, something else that I loved about the book was um, Andrea's relationship to her friends. What role do you think Andrea's friends play in her life and, and sort of, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts sort of on female friendship and the importance of female friendship, especially in your 30s. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think something I tried to allude to in the book was how difficult it was to have friends who had time for you 
you're right in your 30s, right? When it's typically the time when people start having establishing their families or being really, really established in their career and getting really serious about that and investing a lot of time and effort in that, in one of those. And so it gets more and more difficult, especially if you're like someone who's migrated into a country to sort of find a new circle of friends. And what I really like about my book is that um, I try to portray female friendships as they are. Um, so sure, some of sometimes they're really flawed and sometimes they're really messy. But I think um, when you really drill down to it, uh, the women in the book have each other's backs through one way or the other, in one way or the other. And um, I, I wanted to portray that. Um, and I think that it's a realistic portrayal as well because you know we will all be distracted with our own things but in the end what's important is we we stand by each other and we try to help out um as best as we can and if you notice uh, uh, the characters are all flawed in their own ways but they're supportive and they are not judgmental they're always trying to basically uh, have each other's back i thought that was important to show um in my book. Yeah, definitely. And, and there was a line that really struck me um, where it was, uh, I don't remember if it was Linda or Valerie, but one of them sort of disappointed Andrea, like not showing up when she wanted her to show up or, or something. Mm -hmm. um, and Andrea just sort of says, you know, Friendships are a little bit like romance. Like sometimes you have to forget some things in order to keep it going. And I. Yes, <laughs> that's absolutely right. I mean, that, that's why I'm saying like the friendships in the book are flawed and they're realistic because sometimes friends do that. They disappear. Right. But what's most important in the end is that if push comes to shove, if things get difficult, they show up, they show mm -hmm. up in one way or the other. And I mean, that's 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 difficult to do when you're as you get older because you know it's you get distracted by life your own lives right but but i wanted to show that they were they all had their backs each other's backs one way or the other yeah definitely i really loved that i love sort of seeing female friendship in um in novels especially because i feel like a lot of times particularly in romance in maybe the 80s or the 90s, it was always sort of a woman on her own. Or if there was other women around, they were really in competition with each other. Not mm -hmm. every book, obviously, there are exceptions. Um, mm -hmm. But I feel like that has changed pretty significantly in the mm -hmm. past few years where it's rare that I'll read a, more mo a book written more recently where the heroine is on her own. Um, I, I think it's really important to, to, to sort of highlight that you should be supportive of each other. And I think there was a line in the book where she was critical of her, her nemesis, right? But then she, she tried to remind herself that we're all in this together. We're all women. We're trying to make it um, in a career and we have to stick with each other, stick, stick up for each other and stick with together. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that's important uh, to emphasize in the book. And I hope like, like in the future when I write uh, other novels, I'll be able to do this again and, and to just sort of like show how uh, strong female relationships can, how important they can be for, for a person's well-being. 
I will, it will be, it will be something I will continue to do, like to put uh, female friendships as like an important uh, theme in my books. Yeah, and I liked also that that Andrea had to do that mental course correction, which I think is also something that we have to do as women, because. I mean, not to get too heavy, but because of like sort mm -hmm. of societies have sort of taught us to try to fight with each other and that it's not um, ridiculous that that would be an instinct you would have, but sort mm -hmm. of that she has the instinct, but she's like, no, I'm not going to go down that path. I really appreciate it as well. That's really common even in Asia. I mean, mm -hmm. um, even in my part of the world, uh, I think when you're in this very capitalist setting, um, it's like each man for himself or each woman for himself, herself, right? Dog eat, dog eat dog world. And I think it's really important through fiction to sort of like counter that and to say mm -hmm. like, it can be different. It can be, it doesn't have to be like this and to remind ourselves uh, um, to strive to be better in a way. So I, I, I mean, at least in my books, I want to put out um, this, this kind of positive messaging in my book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it shows through. Um, so you mentioned second and third books that you're working on. Are those sequel to Last King Standing? Can you tell us a little bit about them? If you can, if you're not allowed, it's okay. I, I, I mean, I, I am working on a sequel. Uh, mm -hmm. It's still, still early days. Um, and it'll just kind of follow Andrea and her friends um, in the aftermath of, you know, the life-changing decisions that they make. Um, and um, I'm hoping to get it done by the end of the year and, and see how it goes. I'm also working on some other project. Um, this is just more for myself. So it's, it's about a, a mother-daughter road trip. And that's just, just for me. And I, I don't know if I will finish it or I'll have time to finish it. But these are the two projects that I'm kind of working on. Yeah, well, I hope to see them soon. I really love uh i loved this book and it's amazing that also this is your first well not your first novel that you completed but your first published novel it's really such an exciting time um and it yeah it was such a wonderful book and i really loved reading it so yeah thank you so much yeah i'm glad you enjoyed it how has it been sort of uh book touring through a pandemic i've been pretty disappointed to not be able to have any um in-store events. I mean, I think, I think I speak for every, well, not every, if not every author, then the majority of debut authors kind of want that because it's like a milestone, right? It's like a, yeah. like a marker <laughs> um, to say, hey, you made it. You've pushed the book out and now people have read it and they want to meet you. Um, and it's been quite disappointing to not be able to do that, especially in my home country, Malaysia. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, um, I think I've also matured as a person during this pandemic. Um, I've kind of learned to take disappointment in stride uh, in the sense that like you can do the best, you can do everything you can to make something work. And in the end, it could still not work out. And I think I've learned to take these setbacks better. So this has been a good learning experience for me as a, as a human being. And I mean, yeah, it's, it's just an important life lesson to learn in general.
I'll be happy if my book makes people laugh and it's out there yeah. and, and I'm, I'm glad that people are, are reading it and laughing along with Andrea and her friends. So mm-hmm. yeah, I hope people, people get to, to escape from, from life for a little bit, at least through the book. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's wonderful. I think, yeah, it, this is a perfect escape for, from everything that's happening right now. Um, and it is out June 9th and it's a perfect summer read, whether that summer is in your backyard or <laughs> anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for, yeah, for taking the time to join us this afternoon. Like I said, uh, Lasting Standing is out June 9th. So go pick it up now. All right. Thank you everybody. so much for your time, Erin. So you can always uh, email us, learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Learning Tropes, on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Um, and then we have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. And then finally, uh, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast.